Hey there, and welcome to the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. We're honored you've chosen to join us today. In a few moments, Senior Pastor Alan Miller will launch into this week's teaching. Before that, though, we'd like to encourage you to also check out our website, firstmissionary.net, where you can find out more about what the Lord is doing in our local body and how you can get involved. Now here's Alan with this week's teaching. As you sit here with us today, we're so glad that you're here, but just take a second and just close your eyes, okay? And let's just stay here for a moment. You know, we have no clue from, from our vantage point. We have no idea what's going on in your life today. What you brought with you, what you're carrying with you in your life. You know, there is a very, uh, very, if this is the right way to put it. A stark contrast from what it's like in here and what we're experiencing right now in comparison to maybe what you walked out of this morning. Can I get an amen? So even if we just sat here for a few moments and, and just kind of took in the moment to breathe and to relax, I know that whatever life is like for you, there's a very good possibility that when you came into here, it was like flipping a switch. And let's be honest, sometimes it's hard to walk in and to go right into worship. Sometimes it's hard to walk in and, and just have your heart ready and prepared and, and here you are, you know, here you are. It's, it can be tough. I, we get that. We haven't had the chance to really say this because over the last couple of weeks we've been really, really busy. A lot's going on. And there's some things we're going to pray for here in just a second. But I don't think I've had the opportunity to say to you, Happy New Year. Happy New Year. It, we're still in the New Year thing. <laughs> Your life may have hit the new here in fast forward and blazing speed and maybe there's nothing different about your life it seems from today than this time last month but a lot has happened a lot has transpired we're still in a season of thinking about a new year so if you feel like you have fast forwarded a little too fast into the year maybe your your life has gone back to the same old same old I'm bringing you back today. I'm giving you permission to step back. Step back a little bit from everything that's going on in your life and come back to kind of a New Year focus. There's one word that comes against our lives that really keeps us from being able to walk in, to be ready to worship, to have our hearts there. There's, some, there's this one word that keeps us from maybe having that moment in time where we really think about the future and where we're going and what's going on, where we want to be, where God want, what God wants to do in our life. There's one word that just comes against us all the time. It's the word distraction. Just lean over to your neighbor right now and just, just say the word distraction. Just distraction. 
distraction. Our lives are filled with distractions. From hearing the voice of God, from hearing His Spirit, even on a Sunday morning to walk in and to give Him our whole hearts, there's so many things that are coming against us. So right now, we're going to let those distractions go. And Cody shared something with me this morning about worship that just really blessed my heart. Just continue with your eyes closed. It's okay. He shared something with me this morning that just really blessed my heart. And, and Cody said there's this one particular song that we sang this morning that every time you sing the lyrics, it's hard for you because you're fighting back the tears. What is that and why? The song Great I Am. I think a lot of us can sing along with it. There's something incredibly powerful about the bridge of that song. Darkness shakes before you, demons run and flee. We know that our, our fight's not with flesh and blood, right? It's against the authorities and the principalities and heavenly places. But we're fighting a spiritual battle. And I think there's a reason that all believers are called to be worshipers in Scripture. And it's because worship is our weapon. There's something special about that song to me because when we get the body of Christ declaring the truth that the darkness can't handle our God, it's a powerful place to be in the middle of. And I think the spiritual realms respond to what we do in this place when we sing words like that and we mean it it gets me every time so we're, we're just not singing songs but we are declaring what and there's actually power in what we do is that what you're saying there's actually power in what we do spiritually? Scripture says the power of life and death is in the tongue, right? So when we think about if we worship from a place of faith and of victory and worship in spirit and in truth, then the literal power of life and death is what's passing between our lips. There's a, there's a line in one of the songs that we sang this morning. It says, I will build. I'll finish it for us, Cody. I will do what? I will build my what? Build my life upon your love. It's a firm foundation. You know, the last few weeks, we've been talking about new beginnings and fresh starts. Today, we're going to be talking about some New Year's resolutions that I think we can take a hold of today. Um. And we said a couple of weeks ago, when it comes to new beginnings and fresh starts in your life, that for some of us, it's coming to a place we've never been before. It's looking into the face of Christ for the first time, embracing the love of Jesus, accepting His promises for us, entering into a new life with Him for the very, very first time. For some of us, that's our new beginning and our fresh start. For others of us, it's coming back to a place where we've been before. 
It's coming place back to a place with Christ and doing what we said we would do this morning, and that is to to build our lives on a firm foundation. So it's coming back to a place we've been before. It's coming back to a walk. It's coming back to an intimacy. It's coming back to a closeness. So, so one of the things that we can do going into this new year is just making a, a commitment of heart and mind to walk with the Lord. That we will speak against those distractions, eliminate some distractions in our lives, and, and maybe start a new Bible reading plan. Maybe get together with some people on a weekly basis to talk, to share, to pray together. Maybe carving out some extra time, you know, in the morning. That's you and God time. Time that you're alone with God to recharge your battery. And we tell people this all the time, that when you take time alone for yourself and for God, you're not being selfish. You're really not. You're not being selfish selfish to have me and God time. It's not selfish. It is one of the most self-giving things you can actually, actually do in your life. Because here's the thing. There's a good possibility that today there's other people who like you. There's a good possibility that there's other people who like you. They really do. Look at your neighbor right now and say, I like you. Just let them know. I like you. The other day I was having a conversation with Emily, and, and I was just overtaken in a moment, and I said, Emily, I said, you know, you know I love you. I said, but I really do like you. You know, some people say, well, you're supposed to love me. Maybe the person you just said, I like you to, if you said, I love you, they would have thought in their head, yeah, because you're supposed to. But to like someone, that communicates something different and something special. There's a good possibility that in your life, there are people who genuinely do like you. Regardless of how they reply to you on social media, or whether they hang out with you or talk to you, there's a good possibility there are people who actually like you. And that means that your life has value. You are adding something to their life by your existence. So when it comes to self-care, time alone with God, you're not being selfish you are allowing God to speak into your life to give you the rest, to give you the inspiration, to give you the encouragement that you need so you can continue to add value into the lives of other people around you. You can't do or fulfill your purpose in your life that God has for you unless you take that time. It is not selfish. It is God-centered, it is God-honoring, because God wants you to be the best version of you that you can be for His purposes, and many, many times, almost always, His purposes include the people around you in your life who like you. 
So today we're going to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 9. We're going to look at the Apostle Paul's words here in regards to kind of how he took care of himself and how intertwined with taking care of himself, he was also taking care of the gospel of Jesus Christ. What would you think, what would you think, 1 Corinthians 9, we'll start around verse 23, what would you think is one of the top New Year's resolutions that people make? This time of the year, uh, fitness centers, places of exercise, in January, physical trainers, all of that in January, their revenue, CNN did a report a few years ago that showed that fitness centers and personal trainers, they look forward to the month of January. Just like retailers look forward to Black Friday, the Friday after Thanksgiving, personal fitness trainers and exercise facilities and gyms, they look forward to January because in January or in regards to New Year's resolutions, many people say one of the things I want to do this year is to do what? It is to lose weight. It is to get into shape. Any of you today, did you kind of take that as a New Year's resolution? I want to lose a little weight. Maybe the holidays were really good to you. Maybe you felt it. Maybe you put on a pair of pants after Jan in January that you put on in November and it fits a little different. And so one of your resolutions is, I want to take care of myself. I want to lose some weight. I want to get in shape. Did you know, did you know that not only is that a good New Year's resolution to have, but did you know that self-care, taking care of yourself, actually honors God? Because after all, you are a temple. You are the temple of the Holy Spirit. And when it comes to you making a difference in the lives of other people, you being the best version of you that you can be, God using your life to make a difference in the lives of others, the vehicle, the vehicle, the vehicle that He's given to you to use and to express and to share His love with other people that vehicle is you, and it encompasses your physical body. It's important that we take care of ourselves because ourselves is the vehicle through which God accomplishes His purpose for our lives. If you're not taking care of yourself, and here in a couple of weeks, you, you, you hit a wall, and you crash because you're not taking care of yourself, and you're out for several days, there might be several days that you're not able to exercise the gifting, fulfill the purpose, be engaged, be involved in what God wants to do through your life because you haven't taken care of yourself. Throughout Scripture, this is a God-honoring principle. Paul, I think, really accentuates this in 1 Corinthians chapter 9. And he starts in verse 23. And we're just going to walk through this section of Scripture this morning together. And we're just going to let God speak into our lives the importance of discipline, of self-discipline, 
not just in the areas of spiritual self-discipline, but also in the areas of physical self-discipline. He says, I do all things for the sake of the what? I do all things for the sake of the gospel that I may become a fellow partaker of it. Do you not know? Do you not know that those who run, run in a race, they all do what? Those who run in a race, they all do what? They all what? They all run. In the letter to the Corinthians, one of the things that all of those people would identify with and connect with would be the Olympics. In Athens, Greece, the Olympics is something that's been going on for many, 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 many hundreds of years. And all the folks in Paul's day and time, when he's speaking to these individuals in their context, when they would think about training, or they would think about exercise, or they would think about competing, their minds would go to the Olympics. And the Olympics was not just running, but it was running in a certain way. It wasn't just competing, but it was competing in a certain way. Kind of like the playoffs when it comes to NFL football. Did your team win last night? Man, it's good to know that we have so many Cowboys fans in the audience today. Did your team win last night? Where's Grant Mathis? We're in the... Yes! This is the only props I'm going to give you all year, my friend. Another one right here in the front. Yesterday afternoon, did your team win? You know, a lot of times people say, you know, when it comes to the playoffs, it's a, it's a different level of competing, right? Regular season puts you in a certain position. But when you get to the playoffs, it's elevated to all a whole new other level of competing. It's not just running. It's just not competing. But it's running in a certain way. It's competing in a certain way. Kind of like March Madness. When March Madness rolls around, it all goes to another level. Everything that you've learned, everything that you've grown in, everything that you've practiced comes to a place where now it has to be elevated and it has to be executed at a much higher level. Paul says here, notice what he says in the text. It's not just enough to run. He says, those who run in a race all run, but only one receives the prize. And so many people would stop right here and they'd say, well, you know, the Christian ethic would be to come alongside the person who's running the race and say, oh, not me, but you. Why don't you win the race? It'd be like the track star competing, running, the, cro the cross country person competing, running, and they're running and they're out there. And man, they've been busting their tail the entire race. And they get down to the end of the race and they think, oh, I'm a Christian. I should let other people win. And so they stop and say, oh, not me, but you go ahead and run. Go ahead and you finish. And then I'm going to celebrate your victory. That's not what Paul says. Paul says that there is an aspect of this life that it's not just significant or important to run. 
But he says, run in such a way that you may what? That you may actually win. And everyone who competes in the games. What games do you think he's talking about? He's talking about the Olympic games. Everyone who competes in the games. Not just the regular competitions or the regular track meets. But he's talking about the Olympics. Everyone who competes in the games. Here's what they do. You say, what do I need to do in my life? To run to win. And there's no doubt, there's a tremendous metaphor here that's not just talking about competition, but it's also talking about life and living your life. Some of us today, when it comes to life, we're doing all we can to survive. We're doing all we can to survive. Maybe you can go back to a season of your life that wasn't too far ago. That might even be now. Can you go back to a season or a time or even today that you feel like in your life, in this life that you're running, that you're just hanging on trying to survive? Anyone? There was a season of my life that this hit me. That that hit me, that this came against me, and in that season of my life, I was just trying to survive. Doesn't matter how old you are, if you're 90, if you're 19, if you're 9. We all encounter times and seasons of our lives where we're just trying to survive. Guess what? God does not want you to just survive in life. God's will is that you would thrive in your life. He wants you to thrive. This doesn't mean that you get the greatest accolades. It doesn't mean that you have all types of wealth and prosperity. God just simply wants you to thrive in your life so that your joy might be full. That your joy might be full. That you have a sense of significance. That you have a sense of purpose. That your life is actually going somewhere. That you're not living a meaningless existence. But God actually has a purpose in your life. And in that purpose, God wants you to thrive, not just survive. It's not just about running. It is about running well in life. And he encourages us here and encourages us to run, to live, to compete in such a way that you'll actually win. But there's something that's really important that comes into play to compete at the highest level. It's called self-control. He says everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. Self-control is associated with self-discipline. Have you ever had a, a coach to tell you you needed to be more disciplined? Have you ever heard a coach say to the team, guys, listen, you need to be more disciplined? Did you know that the word discipline is actually not a dirty word? It's really not. A lot of times people think that to discipline oneself means that you take all the fun 
out of life. The root word for discipline is the word to disciple. It's to disciple. To disciple one's self is at the heart of self-control. To disciple oneself means as a believer, spiritually, you bring your life under the directive of God in your life. You walk by a spirit. It means you, you kind of get to a place where you identify those distractions and you begin to get those distractions out of your life so that you can actually hear the spirit of God. Love this analogy I saw the other day. It wasn't mine. It was somebody else's. They were talking to a room of middle school students and they had the students to mimic all the various sounds that you find in, so, in the social media world. From a ping here, a noise there, some background noise in the background. And the person was talking to this group of middle school students, had all these noises going on, the dings and everything else. And you can imagine some of our lives, some of our lives are constantly dictated by what's happening here. By what's happening here. The other day, I got one of my kids' phones, and, and I was looking at something, and it, it, all the Snapchats that were popping up, I mean, I, I couldn't see what I wanted to see. I couldn't get to what I wanted to, to get to. And all the Snapchats are popping up, and I'm like, how do you live in this world? I mean, for those of us who are ADD, ADHD, OCD, LMNLP, I've got every letter of the alphabet. This was driving me crazy. And it was continual, and it was constant, the distractions. Have you lately tried to have a conversation with somebody, and they could not look you in the eye because they were looking at their phone? I, I said the other day to Brady, and Greg was trying to talk to Brady, and I, and I just, and Greg's carrying on this conversation, but yeah, mm-hmm, yeah, I, this is not picking on Brady. Yeah, uh-huh, yeah. And I said, son, look the man in the eye. He, oh, dad. <laughs> he's a man of few words anyway. He finally looks in the eyes. He's, he's trying to have a conversation with you. Has it occurred to you, has it occurred to you that of all the people and all the entities and identities on this planet who want to have a conversation with you, has it occurred to you that God wants your undivided attention? That God wants to have a conversation with you. And so many times God's not speaking in the thunder He's not speaking in the earthquake. But he's, he's speaking in the still, small voice. The breeze of the wind. But yet so many times we can't discern or pick up on the gentleness of the spoken word of the Spirit because we are so distracted by the other noises in our life. Self-discipline and self-control come into play. And it means that I, I am going to take charge of the voices and the distractions and the things that are coming into my life. And I'm going to make a determined effort to simply listen and hear the voice of God. 
I'm not one to vilify, vilify, to make a villain of social media or technology. I mean, my goodness, if Billy Graham, listen to me, if Billy Graham had available to him some of the opportunities of technology back in the 50s and 60s that we have today, the opportunity for the gospel to impact every square inch of this planet is within our fingertips. So I'm not one who vilifies or makes a villain of these things. But it all comes down to how you use these things and let these things be used in your life. Everyone who competes in the games, everyone who's in the games, the games, and not everyone makes it to the games in that context. But those who are there they're a rare breed of athlete. They're different. They're unique. But everyone who gets to that level does so through self-control in all things. When it comes to us being in the fight for souls and the fight for truth where we live, I'm asking you an honest question as a congregation. Do you want us to be able to be there in competing at the highest level for truth and for hearts and for minds? Or are you okay with just being subpar in this fight? Everyone who competes in the games exercises self-control in all things. They then do it. He's talking about the games. They do it to receive a perishable wreath. If you go back to some images of the Greek games, the champions, the winners would wear the wreath with the leaves around their head. That was the champion, that was the victor. Paul says those winnings, those championships, those trophies, those are all perishable. For something to perish, it means here today and what tomorrow. For something that perishes, it's here today and what tomorrow. For something that perishes, it's here today and what tomorrow. Here today, but what? Gone tomorrow. And it really does amaze me. How much time and effort and energy we all spend and exert. How we exercise self-control and determination and self-discipline for things that are here today but gone tomorrow. And here in this, Paul, God through Paul, is calling us to compete. And calling us to, to be a part of something that is much greater and more important and more significant than where we spend much of our time and our energy. The competition that he's speaking of, when it comes to the end and the competition is over, 
What is rewarded is not a perishable wreath, but it is an imperishable wreath, an imperishable prize. Something that is perishable is here today, gone tomorrow. Something that is imperishable is here today and what tomorrow? Here today and here tomorrow. Here today and here tomorrow. Here today, here tomorrow, and not just here today and here tomorrow, but here forever and ever. It's the, it's the, it's the picture of a continual, never-ending prize. Therefore, verse 26, taking this into consideration, Paul says, therefore, this is what I do. This is what I do. I am in a race of life with my brothers and sisters in Christ in this world competing for prizes and competing for things that are so much more important than so many other things. So he says this. Therefore, I run in, can you say this with me, such a way. Such a way. Meaning that there's different ways to run. There's different ways that you can go about this thing. Even when it comes to your life. There's different ways that you can approach your life. There's different ways that you can approach this new year. You're in a race. You're in the race whether you want to be or not. It's the race of life. You're all in it. His conclusion is, therefore I run in what? In what? I run in such a way. Meaning there is a particular way or there is a special way that this is to be done. I run, he says, in such a way as not with aim. I box. I box in such a way, not there right yet. I box. Going back, not forward. I box. That's their way of telling me to hurry up, get the sermon over with. I box. Just kidding. I'm just kidding. I know some of you are thinking the same thing. Okay. I box in such a way as not beating the air. Meaning that what I do has intentionality. It has purpose. Now, let's bring this together, folks. Ordering your day. Ordering your life. Some of us today, we feel like life is happening to us. Do you ever feel like life is just happening to you? That it's just happening to you. And then you kind of just react and respond to whatever life throws at you. You ever feel that way? You're just reacting, responding to what life is happening to you. Paul is encouraging us. Do not be in a position where you're just letting life happen to you. But he's encouraging us to happen to life. You happen to life. Don't be in a position where life is just happening to you. But you happen to life. Meaning that you have intentionality. You have a focus. You have a purpose. You have decided in your heart and in your mind that your life is going to be characterized and it's going to be dictated by certain things. As a believer, 
the certain things that will point you to the heart of God and make you the best version of you that you can be. In such a way, let's say that again one more time, in such a way. I run in such a way as not without aim I box in such a way as not beating the air. What a tremendous picture that is of wasted energy, of wasted time, of a wasted life. To go out and to box and Man, you're giving it everything you got, but yet there, there is no receiving in to the blows that you're delivering. You are not making any difference. You're beating the air. There is a purposelessness to what is happening in your life. And that is so frustrating for any of us to feel like from day in to day out, to get up in the morning, to go to work, to go to school, that it's without purpose. What is all this pointing to? But He's calling us to a discipline and a way of life that puts purpose in what we do. It might mean that you're doing the same things that you did yesterday. But with a new purpose, it looks different. It feels different. It has a new significance. I'm not just going to practice. I'm not just doing my homework. I'm not just going to work. But my work and my practice and my study. It has a meaning. That's God defined. I I really, I really believe that when we see mediocrity transpiring around us in life, it's because people are operating and they are seeing a purpose that needs to be transcended by a greater or more higher or more significant purpose. You know what it's called? It's called playing, living, working, studying with inspiration. To do so with inspiration. You ever seen someone compete and you go, oh my gosh, they're not possessed? You remember back in the day when Michael Jordan would compete and he would get in that cliche zone? He was in fuego. I mean, he was on fire. And you're going, man, he just he just looks different. I mean, he's play. I mean, he's Achieving, he's performing at a certain level. Man, that dude, that guy is inspired. And you don't just win in life there or the game there, but you win in all things. What about the word enthusiasm? Real quick before we go. Enthusiasm. This is not something a coach can instill in you. It's something you find within your heart. To be enthused literally means to be in theos. 
Theos is God. True enthusiasm comes from being in God. It's finding a purpose of life or anything that you do that transcends this nominal existence that we find ourselves so many times. I box in such a way as not beating the air. And then look at verse 27. He says, I, this is New American Standard, I buffet. New American Standard says, I buffet. If you're reading it, you may think buffet. And this is not Paul's encouragement to go to the buffet. It's the word buffet. This is a newer translation of the New American text. He says, but to buffet means to discipline. He disciplines his what? Not just soul. Not just mind or spirit. But he says, I actually, I discipline my body. I disciple my body. This is the temple of the Holy Spirit. And Paul is probably imagining the beatings that he endured, the sleepless nights that he endured. He was truly, he was truly in a missionary marathon, fighting for his life, but yet he had to take care of his physical body so he could do what God wanted him to do. Not just a self-discipline of heart and mind, but a self-discipline of one's physical body. He says, I discipline my body and I make it my what? I make it my servant. Now go back to Paul, Romans chapter 1. He says, I am a bond servant of Christ. I am a servant of Jesus. I'm a servant of Jesus. Paul said, I've submitted my life to Jesus. And my life falls under his lordship. So when Paul says, I discipline my body, this is his way of saying, I'm going to disciple and take care of my body and bring it also under the lordship of Jesus Christ. Because my whole life is an instrument and a reflection of the gospel. So if he dies of a heart attack because he didn't take care of his body, and he had as a goal taking the gospel to Rome, God would have to search out and find another vessel to take the gospel there because Paul didn't take care of himself. I discipline my body. I make it my slave so that after I have preached to others, I myself, last part, I myself will not be, I will not be disqualified. He wants to stay in the game. He wants to continue to compete. He wants to run in such a way that he wins. And it takes a decision of the heart and mind to bring your life into a spiritual order, but also a physical order as well. So this morning as we begin to wrap up and we think about what God has for us this next year, I would encourage you. Set some goals. Take care of yourself. Order your exercise in life. Give it meaning. Give it purpose. Implement some things you hadn't done before. Don't neglect your soul in doing this, but Order some things that will help you to grow in your study and in your walk. 
to build relationships in Christ. Do these things. And know that there is a power through God's Spirit that will help you and enable it. Because I know some of you are going, I can't. I can't. I can't. Don't even know if I want to. So we start by saying, God, give me a passion. Give me a desire. And God, give me the power to do this. As he said, for the sake of the gospel, I do all things. As you stand this morning and bow your heads. Thanks for joining us on the First Missionary Baptist Church Sermon Podcast. That's it for this week's teaching, but you can always find more on our website, firstmissionary.net. We'd also like to encourage you to like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter, and subscribe to our YouTube channel. If you benefited from this week's lesson, be sure to share it with your friends and family, then leave a rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Thanks again for listening, and God bless.